loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? This morning, most of you, many of you, if not all of you, were with us as we looked at the value of one single solitary soul. This morning we talked about the unlikely conversion of Saul, who then became Paul. This morning we talked about that value that God places on a single soul. We looked at this passage, I just quoted on the way up, this, 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 this thought from Jesus, and, and we tried to look at it in a bit of a different way. Instead of looking at this passage about how we need to think about losing our own souls, what if we were to look at this passage and think about another soul? What if we were to look at this passage and ask, what are we willing to give to win another person's soul? You know, I was talking to some people at, at lunch, people I, I really admire, and one of them was talking about how amazing it is that every single one of us have someone that brought us to the faith in God that we have tonight. Every single one of us has some, some, some amazing story uh, about being brought into the kingdom of God. And I think that's an amazing thing. But let me ask you something. What does it matter if we were brought to the kingdom of God if we aren't turning around and bringing others to the kingdom of God with us? Maybe you'll understand what I'm saying when I say this. If you're here this morning, I talked about the influence, the tremendous generational influence Angelita Bryant had on my grandfather obeying the gospel. The question I have for us tonight is, what, what good would it have done for Angelita to put all of that influence and all of that time on my grandfather? And he became a Christian and just to turn around and never bring others to Christ along with him. You see, I'm afraid there, there are many of us in the room tonight, many of us in the church, all throughout this, this, this world, that have had an influence like Angelita. The question is, have you become an Angelita in your life? Have you then returned the favor? Have you paid it forwards or for someone else? This morning I challenged each of us to think about someone that was lost. You know, that might be a difficult thing for you to think about. A lot of times we don't want to think about how people are lost, but the fact of the matter is many are. Jesus says that, that narrow is the way that leads to life, and there are few who find it. He said broad is the way, and, 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 and easy is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it. You see, the majority of the people that you interact with in your life don't know Jesus. And so this morning, I, I asked you, I, I asked myself, who is someone in my life that is lost? And in front of all of you, I, I wrote down the person that was on my mind, and I had a whole week to think about it, more, more than a week I've been working on, on these lessons. 
Maybe you weren't able to think of someone this morning, but this afternoon you thought about who your one would be. I hope you've written a name down. I hope you've been able to identify someone in your life, or regardless of, of what the relationship might be, but, but I hope you've written their name down, that you physically have, have written their name down, and that you plan to join us on this mission to win the lost. That you plan to join us as we try to seek and to save the lost in our community. And I hope that you intend to bring them to Christ with you in the kingdom this year. But I know the reality. I know the reality is that most, if not the vast majority of you in this room are feeling that you don't have the ability to bring this person to Christ. I understand that. I understand that the vast majority of the people in this room look at that name on that card and they think to themselves, there's no way I can bring this person to Christ. I don't have the skills and I don't have the ability. Well, guess what? Get in line. No one has the skill or the ability to in and of themselves bring someone to Christ. The person himself has to be willing to respond. God is the one who gives the increase, and I think we forget that a lot of times. A lot of times we put it on ourselves. It's all on me to, to, to do this great deed, to, to, to bring someone to Christ. But the fact of the matter is, and if you've done any, any bit of, of, of soul winning in your life before, you, you've understood that, that either God is able to impact that person's heart or or they're not willing to let them. And so tonight, as we think about the name on the card, as, as, as you look at the name, and you think to yourself, I, I simply don't have the ability to bring them to Christ. Welcome to the club. I don't think any of us in this room tonight are fully confident in our abilities to make such an impact. But that's just the thing. It's not about your abilities. It's about your willingness. A lot of times we struggle to influence the people in our lives spiritually because we get so hung up about our abilities or lack thereof. But when it comes to soul winning, it's not about your ability. It's about your willingness. And isn't that what we saw from Ananias this morning as, as, as we looked at the example of Ananias in Acts chapter 9 and Acts chapter 22? Isn't that what we saw with, with the example of Ananias? It, it wasn't about his ability. He didn't have to, to go out and single-handedly convince Saul, did he? He helped teach him. He, he showed him what God's will was for him. But really all Ananias did was go when the Lord said go. And that's all we're asking you to do this year is to go. This year at the Buford Church of Christ, we are calling you to go. 
We want you to be intentional about the lost souls in your life. We want you to, to be intentional about those people around you who are hopelessly lost without your intervention. Here at the Buford Church of Christ this year, we are challenging you to look at the name on that card every day and ask yourself, what are you willing to do about it? What are you willing to do to bring this soul to Christ? But more than just challenging, more than just challenging you to do something that you're unequipped to do, we want to equip you. We want to equip you with the tools that, that you need in order to actually be able to pull this off, to actually be able to make this impact that you want to make. We want to equip you with the necessary skills as much as we can possibly have to make this pursuit a reality. A man once asked Jesus in Luke chapter 10 and verse 29, Who is my neighbor? You know the story in Luke, in Luke chapter 10. We, we see at the end of the story, we see the phrase, Go and do likewise. For the past few years, we've been engaged in a, 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 a mission as a congregation to go and do Likewise, well, at the very beginning of the very same story, the thing that started it all was the question, who is my neighbor? Jesus then goes on to tell that man the story of the Good Samaritan, and that story taught that man, and it teaches us tonight, that everyone's our neighbor. Everyone's our neighbor, even the ones that we don't like, even the no ones that we don't know very well, even the ones like Samaritans in that time that you had no business getting to know. You see, every single one of us have neighbors. No, I'm not talking just next door, although we have neighbors next door. Every single one of us has neighbors in our life. We have neighbors next door. We have neighbors at work. We have neighbors at school. We have neighbors that have been friends for years. We all have neighbors in our family that are desperately lost without a hope in the world of ever getting to heaven. I don't want to depress you tonight. I want to wake you up. You see, we've been sleeping. Many of us have been sleeping while there have been lost people around us. Many of us have been asleep at the wheel, including myself, when it comes to those who are lost around us. This year at the Buford Church of Christ, we're, we're, we're challenging each other and we're equipping each other to go after these neighbors. Because in reality, they are just like those men who were trapped on that ridge in 1945 that we talked about this morning. These people on your card, the, these names, they, they're trapped spiritually and there's no way that they can ever make it back to safety. 
unless you, like Desmond Doss, go and save them and intervene. Unless you care enough about them to take that risk, to take that chance so that they can be one for Christ. So the shepherds of the Beaufort Church of Christ have seen the need not only for congregational community service, but for there to be a congregational evangelism ministry. And we've called it, Who is My Neighbor? A few years ago, we, we came out with Who is Your Neighbor? version 1. And we were smacked with a pandemic. Many of us weren't able to ever even get that started. And so for a long time now, we've been working on, on working on this ministry, redoing it from the bottom up all the way to the top. And we're ready to, as a congregation, join in it together. This ministry starts tonight. This is the ministry that is going Bring that name to Christ, if we let it. If we will allow it, it will bring these neighbors to Christ, and of course, if they're willing to obey. It is called, Who is My Neighbor? And in, in, in and of itself, it is, it is simply calling on each of us to be intentional in the seeking and saving of the lost that are in our lives. And like I said, if you are willing as a member to, to go all in on the Who Is My Neighbor ministry, we believe that this ministry will fundamentally change the culture of this congregation on how we look at evangelism. You know, I heard someone this morning that means a great deal to me. He said, you know, it's great for us to come together all the time and talk about the usual things that we do and, and to study God's Word and do all the, all the things that we talk about are, are great. But when it comes to the mission of the church, when it comes to the mission that we are all trying to accomplish, it doesn't get more important than what we talked about this morning. The value of one single soul. This person said, winning souls is what the kingdom is really about. And I couldn't say it any better than myself. Because it's great for us to come here and to learn and to grow in our faith. But like I said a, minute, a moment ago, if we are not turning around and helping others grow in theirs, then what does that really say about ours? Tonight I just want to take a few moments and challenge us to do nothing less than what we see the New Testament Christians doing with their neighbors. To do nothing less or nothing more than what we see people doing in the gospel accounts when Jesus was with us. With that, we want to first talk about our neighbors next door. Turn to your Bibles to John chapter 4. Very quickly, I want to just summarize what's going on here. You know, I think it's next to impossible to have a lesson on evangelism, a lesson on soul winning, without going to John chapter 4. So I'm not going to even try. Let's go to John chapter 4. John chapter 4, every single word seems like there is a, a valuable lesson to be learned. So that's where we're going to start tonight. 
And I think most of us on a Sunday night, we know the story of the Samaritan woman. We know this is a woman Jesus has no business talking to. She has no business talking to him. We know that Jesus is breaking all the tradition and norms of the day. We know that not only should he not be talking to Samaritans, but in a real sense, no one really used to talk to women in this way. And just all in all, we see the most unlikely candidate here in John chapter 4 for a personal sit-down with Jesus. But as we talked about this morning, Jesus knew the value of one soul. You see, because after talking to him, this woman understands that this is the Christ, not, not only just the Messiah for the Jews, but, but for the Savior of all of mankind, the one that's going to redeem the world. The text picks up in verse 27, and at this point the disciples came and marveled that he talked with a woman, yet no one said, what do you seek? Or why are you talking with her? The woman then left her water pot, went her way into the city, and said to the men, come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? And they went out of the city and came to him. All the Samaritan woman did, if you really get down to it, is she told her next door neighbors about Christ. Told them to come. Come. See a man that told me everything I ever did. Could this be the Christ? This woman wasn't worried about the reception that she was going to receive. She wasn't worried about her reputation. That had already been thrashed compared to what, when you ask her community members. She didn't worry about whether it would be awkward. She didn't worry about anything but the fact that she wanted them to know Christ. And that's all that mattered to the Samaritan woman. And they came. The text says that they came to see Jesus. And then if you skip down to verse 39 and through 42, you're going to see, and many of the Samaritans of that city believed in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me all that I ever did. You see, the Samaritan woman, all she did was bring these people to Christ. And Christ did the rest. It says many believed because of the word of the woman. And all the words that we see her saying is come. Harper might be the only one in the room that can't say the word come, come, come and be with us. Pretty sure everyone in this room is able to say that. That's all we see the Samaritan woman do. You see, it's not about her ability. It's about her willingness. Because she had already fallen in love with Christ. Just a quick side note, I think it's important to note. What do you think Philip would have been able to do in Acts chapter 8 if this woman hadn't have told her neighbors about Jesus? You see, Jesus calls Philip to go to Samaria and to preach the gospel to the Samaritans. I wonder how many of these Samaritans Philip preached to already knew who Jesus was because of the actions of the Samaritan woman. Tonight I ask you, what, when was the last time that you thought about your next door neighbor's soul? And are you doing anything about it? 
We don't just have neighbors next door. We have neighbors at work. If you work, you have neighbors next to you at all times. You probably spend more time with your coworkers than your own family in some respects. Turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 5, verse 27. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 27, you're going to begin to hear the story of Matthew's conversion or, or Matthew's call to follow Jesus. You know Matthew, the tax collector in the text in Luke, it calls him Levi, but that's what we're going to be looking at. Matthew brought his co-workers to Jesus. In Luke chapter 5 and verse 27 it says, After these things he went out and saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at the tax office. And he said to him, Follow me. So he left all, rose up, and followed him. And then Levi gave him a great feast in his own house. And there were a great number of tax collectors and others who sat down with them. And their scribes and the Pharisees complained against his disciples, saying, Why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? And Jesus answered and said to them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. And I wish we had time to get into all of these stories we're going to be looking at tonight, but Really what you need to know is Matthew was not only willing to leave all. Many of us, I, I think, are willing to do whatever it takes to follow Jesus ourselves. But not only was he willing to leave all himself, he was willing to bring others with him. Because he knew his co-workers needed to know Jesus too. And so he intervened. Again, it, it, does Matthew give a, a lengthy discourse of, about faith or, or about anything? All he does is, is host a party at his house in which Jesus is going to be there. All he did was throw a feast so that his co-workers could see Christ. It wasn't about his ability. It was about his willingness. When was the last time that you thought about your co-worker's soul? And what have you done about it? But we don't just have neighbors at work. We also have neighbors at school, guys. We have neighbors at school, and it's not just high school. It's not just middle school. It's all phases of school. Regardless of what age school you are in, or, or you could be all the way in, in in college or, or graduate school, we have neighbors in school. If you turn your Bibles to Acts chapter 15, you're going to see an instance where Paul is able to talk to some former classmates. In Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, you're going to see a, a, a bit of a, a back and forth about who Jesus really is, about who, what Jesus really came to do. And we're running short on time. I don't have time to read this passage, but basically what is happening is there is a dispute about circumcision. There is a dispute among the Christians. Should Christians have to be circumcised? In Acts chapter 15, verses 1 through 5, you can read it for yourself. You're going to see this dispute take place. And it says that there were some of the Pharisees. That were telling Christians they had to be circumcised. 
telling Christians, Christians that were in the new covenant that they had to adhere to also things from the old covenant. And in this situation, Paul speaks up. He speaks up on behalf of Christ, even though these people are, are quote-unquote Christians. These were people, you've got to realize, when we talk about Pharisees, this was a, a school of thought. This was a way of life in that time. These would have studied, perhaps, together at the feet of Gamaliel, these very individuals. But the text says that, that Paul reported all the things that God had done among the Gentiles, among the uncircumcised. Paul was willing to talk to his classmates, his old classmates, that were trying to distort the gospel. In fact, this is the whole context of the book of Galatians, if you want to know really what's going on. How many Gentiles were then brought to Christ after this council in Acts chapter 15? Because Paul was willing to talk to his old classmates. It wasn't about Paul's ability, it was about his willingness. Paul was willing to report all that Christ had done. Are you able to do that in your life? Are you able to report to those, the neighbors around you in your life, all that Christ has done in your life? That's all Paul did, and that's all we're asking you to do. Guys, when was the last time you thought about your classmate's soul? And have you done anything about it? We don't just have neighbors next door or neighbors at work or, or, or neighbors at school we have neighbors who are friends of ours and again I don't have time to read the passage but if you turn over to Mark chapter 2 Mark chapter 2 we find a very remarkable story of friends bringing their friend to Jesus you know this story in Mark chapter 2 verses 2 through 12 you're going to see this story of of these friends who went above and beyond to bring their friend to Jesus. You see, their friend was a paralytic. He was paralyzed, or she was paralyzed. And they, they, they did everything they could to bring him to Jesus, or her to Jesus, the paralytic to Jesus, because they knew if they brought them to Jesus, that Jesus would be able to do the rest. It was a packed house. There was no room. Everything, it was, it was crammed full room. There was absolutely no room for them to come in. They went above and beyond, literally. Went onto the roof. Cut open the roof. And layered, lowered that friend just to where they could see Jesus. What ability did it take? For those friends to bring their friend to Jesus. All they did was bring him to Jesus and he did the rest. Jesus not only forgave the, the, the person of their sins. Jesus, Jesus tells them to get up and walk. Jesus was able to heal everything. Christ was able to heal the paralysis. He was able to heal the spiritual sicknesses of this person. But what if these friends decided not to do something? 
What if these friends had, had reasoned within themselves that, that this is just too hard? This place is just too packed. This is just uncomfortable situation. I'm sorry, but you're out of luck. What kind of friend would do that? And yet many of us as friends have been doing that since the beginning of our friendships. How can you call yourself a friend to someone that you've never cared enough to talk to them about their soul? When was the last time that you thought about your friend's soul? And have you done anything about it? Lastly, we all have neighbors in our family. Turn to John chapter 1. In John chapter 1, we're going to see another very famous instance of someone bringing another to Jesus. In John chapter 1 and verse 40, you're going to see Andrew bringing his brother to Jesus. John chapter 1 and verse 40. One of the two heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which is translated the Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. Now when Jesus looked at him, he said, You are Simon, son of Jonah. You shall be called Cephas, which is translated a stone. You know, we've talked about this before, and I've, I've talked about it in another class. But when it comes to Andrew, what a brother he was. Because Andrew knew his brother needed to know Jesus. Andrew knew that his brother needed to follow Jesus. And so he went and got Peter and brought him to Jesus. And just like many of these other stories we've looked at tonight, Jesus did the rest. Peter went on to become the greatest leader of the apostles. Peter went on to become the greatest leader in the early church, really. He went on to write two epistles, and he went on to become an elder, a shepherd of the Lord's church. And it was all because Andrew was willing to bring him to the Lord. Andrew didn't do any type of, of convincing. It wasn't about Andrew's ability. It was about Andrew's willingness. Maybe I don't even have to ask this. When it comes to family. Because perhaps this is the hardest one. But I will. When was the last time you thought. About one of your family members souls. And are you doing anything. About it. Tonight we take the time to look at these stories. Because they matter. Because they help us understand and they powerfully illustrate how easy it is for us to win souls, really. All we have to do is bring them to Christ. And he'll do the rest. I want you to look at your Who Is Your One card. If you haven't filled one out already, I want, I want you to right now. I want you to look at the name on that card like you did this morning. Are they a next-door neighbor? Did you write down a, a co-worker? 
Did they go to school with you? Are they just a friend you've had for years? Are they a member of your family? Well, if so, then who is my neighbor? Is the ministry for you? This ministry is going to be able to help us, aid us in winning these people to Christ. Out in the lobby tonight, there is now a permanent display for the Who Is My Neighbor ministry. Tonight, once you decide what kind of neighbor you want to pursue, and, and you, think about, you think about that name on the card. On your way out tonight, there, there are booklets outside that will help you go all the way from introduction to Bible study with those names on the card. These booklets are going to be able to give you practical tips and advice on how to bring these people to Christ. One of the booklets is about the ministry as a whole and the rest of them are specifically individualized and tailored intentionally to the specific type of neighbor you are trying to win for Christ. Who is my neighbor? can fundamentally change the culture of this congregation if we allow it to. Can you imagine what it would be like if, if every single one of us was bringing neighbors to Christ? If Bob had to keep the water on heat all the time because we were bringing people to Christ, if, if we had to make room for people in this auditorium, if we were bringing people with us each and every time that we came here, Instead of coming here time after time and time again, only making an imprint in the seat. Can you imagine the difference that we could make in this, the difference that Christ could make in this ministry? One neighbor at a time. This ministry outlines specific steps that you can take that are intended to make evangelism more organic in our lives. To take it from a possibility and make it a reality. Tonight we ask the same question we've been asking all day. What is the value of one soul? And what are you willing to do to win that soul for Christ? Can you imagine the difference if we will just ask who our neighbors are? Because all, like we talked about this morning, all it takes is one. If in this big crowd tonight, only one person goes out, and only one person picks up a booklet, and only one person devotes themselves to the Who Is My Neighbor ministry, only one person brings one other person to Christ. It would have been worth all the money in the world. It would have been worth all the time and energy. It would have been worth all of, of, of the, the, every single thing we could possibly give. Because that is the value of a soul. Why? Why would you say that, Ben? What a huge waste of time that would be. Well, because Jesus said in Mark chapter 8, 
verses 36 through 7, 37. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? What will a man give in exchange for his soul? One soul is worth all of the time, all of the trouble, all of the risk, and all of the money in the world. But tonight, the question is, who is your one? The path to bringing them to Christ is in the lobby. In the Who Is My Neighbor ministry. What we want you to remember is that you can do this. We can do this because Christ will do this. And always remember, it is never about your ability. It is always about your willingness. Tonight, there are many here tonight who I'm sure need to obey the gospel. I know there are people in this room tonight who have not put on Christ in baptism. When we think about our neighbors, I, I guarantee you, your name is already on someone's card. Why not tonight? Why not really start this this effort to go out and win souls by winning your own tonight maybe tonight you, you have lost your fervor for, for the lost maybe tonight you have you've retired from Christianity maybe you want to make that right this morning we talked about the value Jesus puts on one soul and how, how Jesus would have come to the earth and died the death he did just to win your soul alone. And that same Jesus is waiting on you to come to him. As together we stand and sing for your encouragement.